and welcome to episode 101 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Kelsey Perry. Colton. Danielle B. Shannon Mueller. Ginger M. Crotzer. Jack. Dana Schuler Drummond. Bridget Curtin. Jub Jub McGrub. Gloria Lawson. Taria Wolf. Deanna Bradley. Monica Razor. Kyra May. Christy. Lucy Grimwood. Ashley Iafelis. Matthew M. Emma Tag. Emma Hughes. Dita Jensen. Chandra. Ashley Fiffick. Karen McBrady. Laura Rice. Clint Green. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate it and we appreciate you. We surely do. And we've got a promo this week. And our promo this week is for Let Me Introduce Myself. Do you want to take it away? Let Me Introduce Myself is my new little podcast baby that I am unleashing on the world, which sees me talk to a different person each episode about an interesting area of their life. And we basically just have a chat. So you've been doing this for quite a while, like behind the scenes. I have. I've been tinkering away. And you're quite excited about it. I'm I'm quite excited. I'm also quite nervous because people have now acknowledged that it's happening. Well, it is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and it was inevitable if you wanted to release a podcast that people were going to acknowledge that it was happening. Yeah, I kind of in the back, like in my sort of insane brain, I kind of anticipated it just going out and people stumbling across it. But now like there are people waiting to listen to it, which is kind of scary. But it's also exciting because it's something that's completely different from what we do. Because I'm not involved in this just for just for so everybody will know I'm not involved in this in any way, shape or form. It's so removed from what we do normally, but it's actually really fascinating to listen to just completely different people, I think. Yeah. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long while because I kind of think that lots of people have interesting stories to tell. And the stories that we do here tend to come from the same kind of people. So yeah, it's good true. to get a, a different voice on things. So I'm going to play the promo now. And if you enjoy it, go and listen to Let Me Introduce Myself. Hello. My name is Dan and you may know me from the Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. And if you do, you'll know that one of my favourite things to do is to listen. Let Me Introduce Myself is my new podcast where each episode I sit down with a new person and listen to their stories. This season we answer some of life's biggest questions. What's it like to be a professional footballer? How do you run a marathon when your heart doesn't work properly? What was it like growing up as a Catholic in Belfast? What is a music producer? Is the Deep South just like the media portrays it? And other things. If you too like to listen and want to know the answer to these questions, then stay tuned to Let Me Introduce Myself. And that was Let Me Introduce Myself, Dan's new podcast, Baby. Go and have a listen to it and make sure you like and subscribe and all of that jazz. So our film review this week. Our film review is The Prodigy. The Prodigy was released in 2019. It has 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb and 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? I would. Sarah and John Bloom are thrilled when their young son Miles starts to show signs of rapid development and extreme intelligence. Their family bliss soon turns into a living nightmare when Miles' behaviour becomes increasingly erratic and violent by his eighth birthday. 
After seeking help from two experts, Sarah is horrified to learn that her beloved prodigy may be under the grip of a dark and supernatural force. What were your thoughts on this film? I didn't mind it. I wasn't enamoured with it. It was good for what it was, but it's not going to win any Dan's favouritist horror movie awards. Yeah, me neither. I also wouldn't give it a Dan's favouritist horror movie award. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. Right, that's that's about it. It's fine. It has good performances from the actors, uh, the girl from... Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New Black. Uh, Piper from Orange is the New Black is the is the mum in it. And then the kid is quite a good little actor. But I just... It just what didn't really interest me. And it was too... It was too chaotic. Because the first scene was absolutely absurd. Yeah. And then I, I... And I said to you after the first scene, I was like, how is this in any way connected to the film? And you do know that it's connected. But it's so clumsy. So clumsy. And... I also feel like there was no build up. So the kid was a lovely, normal kid who was incredibly intelligent and was somehow talking when he was like six weeks old or some shit. Like it was a bit I mean, weird. It wasn't that young, but yeah. It, it pretty much was. And then suddenly he bludgeons another child with a vice grip. So you missed it was it wasn't that it wasn't there. It was just extremely subtle. So Too as subtle. A, as a toddler, he kills an insect. That was the that was the descent into violence that it was linking at. It was there. It just wasn't very obvious. Well, did he kill an insect? Yeah. Oh, I really so clearly like did not pay attention. He's playing with some some kind of insect in his hand, like looking at it all lovingly, even though he's a creepy looking kid. And then all of a sudden he just scrunches his hands up and gives like an evil look. And oh. then that was your indication. And then he just bludgeons a kid to death in school. Well, I don't think he kills him, but he does bludgeon a kid with a vice grip. It's very, very dramatic. And I just thought there was so many elements of this film. There was, it just was weird. It was just weird. It was weird. I like the concept. So the idea is like an actual sort of law around reincarnation in that, you know, sometimes if you die at the same time as someone being born, there's this transference of soul. It is like a legit thing in certain branches of reincarnation. So I like that because it was a good concept to go with. And there were some moments where it was, there were a couple of good jump scares and a couple of good tense moments. But it just didn't deliver. It had the same kind of vibe as Brightburn and... The Orphan. The Orphan and The Boy to a lesser extent. But it just, it just didn't, didn't just, didn't deliver. It was frustrating because it felt like it was on the brink of doing something and then it just never really did it. And the father was lame. Yeah, it was quite a flat film. I just wonder if they had held it back or... I don't really know if there was a more clever or nuanced way to demonstrate that it was a reincarnation story rather than having a really chaotic, violent opening scene interspersed with the birth of this baby. I just didn't... I just felt like it was so clunky that it was... It kind of was a little bit comical, that opening bit. Not not the violence, because, you know, violence against women is never funny. But the way it was in the narrative of the film. I don't really know. I just found it a bit a bit clumsy, wasn't as clever as it could have been. I just it was just fine. Yeah, it was fine. That's the just way of summarizing it. There was summer in it, summarising it. There were lots of bits where I saw what they were trying to do. They just it just was flat the way that they did it. Like I get why there was that extreme level of violence at the beginning. Because it's trying to show the level of violence that ends up in the child. 
but it just wasn't it was it was clunky i agree with you so what would you give this film out of five two and a half yeah i'm gonna give it a two Ooh, going lower. I'm going to okay. give it a two because you told me off last week for <laughs> giving the same as you, so I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's it's not it's not like horrendous. It's not like the worst film ever, and you know you'll regret watching it. It's just really predictable, and it's quite it's it's quite boring actually, which is a bit of a mad thing to say. Which brings us to our story this week. It's about reincarnation. We're not talking about reincarnation because we have spoken about reincarnation before we did an episode oh, past lives that's what you were thinking yes okay. but we are going to be talking about weird coincidences in history which is something that i am a big fan of like like glitches in the matrix you love a glitch in the matrix or a time slip well i love weird coincidences in history before we move on talking yeah. of glitches in the matrix i posted about my new you posted about my new podcast and someone put posted underneath neath it Asking if it was about tears in the Matrix, I misread that as tears oh. in the film The Matrix. That's how I interpreted it. I mean, it. that is such a specific and podcast, like, right? That's a really niche podcast, and it took me about ten minutes to understand what that person had written. And then I was like, "Oh, I get it now." Laughing emoji. So I didn't post anything. Thankfully, that would have incriminated me for just not understanding something. But I was like, "Imagine doing a whole podcast on tears in the movie The Matrix, where..." Nobody cries. Yeah, the crying is not <laughs> is not that much of a thing in the Matrix, is it? I'm pretty no. sure Trinity cries. Okay. At one point in the Matrix, just to let everybody know, that's about the extent of my knowledge. And podcast episode number one, and the only podcast episode <laughs> of Tears in the Matrix. <laughs> so our story today is about the Titan, and this comes from Katie Serena on allthingsinteresting.com. dot com. Are you ready? Never. It was a clear, chilly night in April. The largest vessel ever to float at 800 feet long, displacing 45,000 tons and declared unsinkable by all who had seen her, was gliding through the water with roughly 2,500 peacefully sleeping passengers. Then suddenly it struck an iceberg. On its starboard side while moving at 25 knots, the ship was 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland. It sank quickly, and due to an insufficient amount of lifeboats, it took a majority of its passengers with it. The story sounds familiar to anyone with even a minor knowledge of the Titanic. However, that story above isn't a description of what happened to the Titanic. It's actually the plot of a novel titled Futility, which was released 14 years before the Titanic ever set sail. In 1898, a man named Morgan Robertson penned a novel titled The Wreck of the Titan or Futility. The story was that of a man named John Rowland, an alcoholic and disgraced former naval officer who takes a job aboard the Titan, the world's largest vessel. Robertson describes it as unsinkable, and among the greatest works of men. The Titan strikes an iceberg on its journey, sinking and becoming one of the world's greatest tragedies. The tale could almost be an exact retelling of the Titanic tragedy, if not for its release date. In fact, that's what makes it even more eerie. The similarities between the Titan and the Titanic go far beyond a name and an iceberg. 
The length of the Titan was 800 feet. The Titanic, 882. The speed at which the Titan cruised into the iceberg was 25 knots. The Titanic, 22.5. The Titan held 2,500 passengers. The Titanic, 2,200, though both had a capacity of 3,000. Both ships were British-owned. Both ships were hit on their starboard bow around midnight. Both sank in the North Atlantic exactly 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland. Both had a severe lack of lifeboats, the Titan holding 24 and the Titanic carrying just 20. Both had a triple screw propeller. Though there are a few differences, they are few and far between. For example, the Titan's sinking left only 13 survivors, while the Titanic left 705. And the Titan actually capsized before sinking, where the Titanic split into two pieces. The Titan's hero, John, also slays a polar bear, who lives on the iceberg in question, which the Titanic's passengers probably didn't have time for, but it might have been an interesting addition to the movie. After the Titanic tragedy, Robertson was even accused of being clairvoyant due to the insane similarities between his work and real life. After all, the likelihood of someone writing a book so similar to a tragedy that hadn't even taken place yet is almost impossible. There are 41.1 million square miles of Atlantic Ocean available for shipwrecks to choose from. And there were plenty of reasons a ship could sink besides an iceberg. However, he attributed the similarities to his extensive knowledge of shipbuilding and research of maritime trends, which, when looked at, do something to explain the eerie commonalities. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, ocean liners were one of the most convenient ways to travel, as well as one of the most popular. Companies like the White Star Line advertised their ships as floating first-class hotels, and promised speed and safety with all of the luxuries of being on land. Robertson was the son of a ship captain and grew up as a cabin boy before becoming a first mate on a merchant ship. It's no wonder that he drew inspiration from countless stories he heard of luxury liners and personal knowledge of ships' inner workings. The route that the Titan took could also be easily explained. It was the fastest and most direct route from England to New York, it should serve as no surprise that the Titan and the Titanic both chose to use it. The similarities between Titan and Titanic have sparked numerous conspiracy theories over the years. Some conspiracy theorists believe the ship was purposefully sunk to avoid creation of the Federal Reserve Bank. Others believe that it was cursed due to the White Star Line not christening their ships. Though the conspiracy theories may not hold up, it is impossible to disregard the similarities between the Titan and Titanic and not wonder what kind of luck Robertson had to predict the world's most famous maritime disaster. I think I'm going to resound you on this one. Go on. I'm really not that bothered by this. I don't think anything apart from the time is eerie. As in 12 midnight? Yeah. Okay. Everything else is explainable with, you know... This guy has been punished for essentially doing his research. 
really yes he is and he did like the article says like he does have extensive knowledge like really extensive knowledge but it is a weird coincidence right do you yeah, not think it's it, a weird coincidence i mean it is but i you know and I've, I've mentioned this before i've got a father and a brother that have a an immense knowledge of steam trains right yes obviously steam trains are a little bit redundant in that they're not really making new steam trains in terms of technology if you are, if you have that level of geekdom about something, you potentially know what the latest techniques are in terms of building ships. Yeah. So being able to give ships details that are eerily accurate to the Titanic could easily be explained away as a coincidence if he already knows where that's going. The fact that he wrote about a big ship, not surprising. Isambard Kingdom Brunel had a massive ship that actually wasn't that good. It couldn't float. But it was bigger than the Titanic. It was bigger than a lot of other things in the Victorian era. So there's always been this sort of race to get the bigger ship. The details are very specific. And obviously it's quite eerie that they're the same as the Titanic. But actually I think if anybody knows something at that level of detail about something and is a fan of it, they're going to know what the, the latest techniques are. And, and shipbuilders aren't going to deviate from things that they know work. So there was the flaws in Titanic were were really about the way that it was run rather than the way that it was built. Yeah, so in other articles they talked about how both the Titan and the Titanic were the victim of people believing their own hype. So believing this ship is unsinkable, so therefore we don't fucking need lifeboats. So just have a few on, just just in case. And then actually, obviously, they sorely regretted it afterwards. And like, yeah, so the, the author of the article said, that you know, there's lots of different routes that you can take across the Atlantic, but... The route that the Titan and the Titanic took was the fastest route. The Titanic was trying to get there the fastest. That's what it wanted to do. So it was inevitably going to go that route. The fact that it hit an iceberg is, you know, it's eerie because that's what happens to the Titan. But the possibilities of hitting an iceberg, if you're taking that route and you're being careless, you know, is it that strange? I would just like to point out here and now that I am devastated <laughs> that there was not a polar bear battle yes. in the film The Titanic. I just want to put that out there because I find I'm going to, this is a very chaotic thing to say and I'm sorry. I find the film Titanic very boring up until the iceberg. I have no interest in Jack and what's her name? The other one. Rose. Rose. I've no interest in them. Put a polar bear into the mix. I'm here for it. I love a creature feature. If they turned Titanic into a creature feature uh, it would have gripped me. I'm glad you said that because it actually brings me to another point where I'm thinking that this isn't as, you know, eerie as it sounds. The quickness, or the relative quickness, that the people w- were saved from the Titanic shows you how many boats were taking that route or were in the vicinity. Oh, very. Oh, sorry. I see what you mean. Do you see right, what I mean? Yeah. And so the fact that he's chosen that route for his ship. It's just a coincidence. Now, the fact that he's called it Titan and the ship that sinks is called Titanic, that's probably the eeriest thing for me, I think. Titan is... But it just means big, doesn't it? Yeah. It, I mean, you, it's a Titan among ships, so that kind of makes sense. So I kind of... I did wonder if you'd be judgmental about this story. It's not judgmental. Well, <laughs> it is judgmental, but okay. <laughs> Do you know who Violet Jessup is? Oh, it rings a bell. I mean, I can tell you she was a Titanic survivor. Okay, that might be why. So in my research about the Titan, because I am I love that story, I just think it's really fascinating. I came across a woman called Violet Jessup and 
this came from grunge.com and I fell down this rabbit hole of looking up eerie coincidences in history because that's the kind of stuff I love. In the early 20th century, luxury liners were the bee's knees. The White Star Line was one of the premier shipbuilders and three of their biggest and best were the Olympic, the Titanic and the Britannic. You know most of the story. But strangely, one woman was on board every single one of them. Her name was Violet Jessup and she was an Irish nurse from Argentina. It started in 1911 when she was on board the Olympic when it collided with the HMS Hawk. The Olympic didn't sink but Jessup's friends convinced her that an even more incredible time was to be had working on the Titanic. So that was where she was headed next. And she was one of the survivors that was pulled from the freezing Atlantic by the Carpathia. Not to be deterred by something clearly trying to send her a message, she went back to sea to serve on White Star's Britannic, which was drafted into service as a hospital ship during World War I. The ship hit a mine, and Jessup found her way into the lifeboats yet again. This time, though, that lifeboat was dragged back towards the sinking ship and its propellers. Seeing other ill-fated lifeboats and their passengers chopped to bits by the propellers, she jumped, hitting her head hard enough that she would have headaches for the rest of her life. You're thinking she swore off ships forever, right? Well, you'd be wrong because she worked as a ship's stewardess until 1950. Fair play to that lady. That has piqued my interest. Why? Because that says to me that actually maybe that conspiracy theory about the White Star Line being cursed for not christening the ships might actually have something to it. Because that's three of its ships. I'd be less concerned about Violet Jessup and more concerned about the building. The, the craftsmanship yeah. that was going on here. <laughs> well, no. Well, yeah, you say that. But then I guess all three of them have got nothing to actually do with the, the craftsmanship. Yeah, I mean, it, one of them was a collision. Two of them were collisions. Yeah. And then the last one was whatever happened. But yeah, maybe oh, mine, yeah. maybe start christening your ships. Yeah, maybe do that. Or maybe don't allow this woman on your ship. There's also that possibility. <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah, no, but no, but well, there would be. If she hadn't gone back to a ship and been fine on all the other ships. How weird is it though? Imagine imagine being her. Imagine being this woman, right? <laughs> and you're on... I mean, if you work on ships, you expect at some point that you'll be in some sort of like maritime accident. Whether or not it's a sinking mm. ship, whatever. And you're on this first one. You're like, whoa. So I was on this ship. This mad thing happened. Can you believe it? But I survived. We move on. The Titanic, unsinkable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll work there. What an amazing experience. That sinks. You must be at that stage thinking, oh, I wonder, is this the life for me? Is it the life for me? Or should I be considering another career option? No, ship number three sinks. Everybody gets sucked into a propeller. Yeah, way more than that. She actually see, like makes a, a split second decision and doesn't die. Like she's the closest to death on that third one. You'd think yeah. third time lucky surely and stop at that point. Nope. <laughs> no, keep going. Work on another ship. She must have really loved ships like me. Yeah. You know, loves a good boat. Yep. I'm here for it. So that's, that must have been what it was. So that one was slightly more interesting for you. Because mm. I have one more. Ooh. Still linked to the Titanic. It's not linked oh, okay. to the Titanic, but it is an eerie coincidence. Okay. 
One of science's so far uncrackable mysteries is the comparative impact of heredity versus environment. An obvious experimental method would be to raise identical twins separately, but that could hardly be done with humans. So for the last 10 years, University of Minnesota psychologist Tom Bouchard has been studying twins under less than ideal lab-controlled conditions. Until... Eureka. He ran into the stuff of social scientists' dreams. Identical twin males who had been separated by adoption at three weeks old suddenly rediscovered each other in Ohio at age 39. Within two weeks after reading about them in the press, Dr. Bouchard had the twins in his Minneapolis lab for tests. At the outset of his investigation, the psychologist said, I think there are going to be all kinds of differences that will surprise even the twins. But what was immediately apparent were eerie similarities that even left Bouchard flabbergasted. Curiously, both had been christened James by their adoptive parents, the Jess Lewises of Lima and the Ernest Springers of Pika, 40 miles away. As schoolboys, they both enjoyed math and carpentry and both hated spelling. They both pursued similar adult occupations. Lewis is a security guard at a steel mill and Springer was a deputy sheriff though he is now a clerk for a power company. Both married women named Linda, only to both divorce and remarry, each remarrying a woman named Betty. Both have sons, James Allen Lewis and James Allen Springer. The two men shared one other fact in common. As Jim Springer puts it, I always felt an emptiness. Neither the Springers nor the Lewises ever met the 15-year-old mother of their sons and both couples were told that their adoptive child had a twin who died at birth. Then one day, when Jim Lewis was 16 months old, his mother visited the Miami County Courthouse to settle the adoption paperwork and an official remarked offhandedly, Ah, they named the other little boy Jim too. For 37 years, that hint tugged at Mrs. Lewis, who occasionally urged her son to find out if it was true. Finally, last Thanksgiving, he agreed to search, though he says he doesn't know why. Jim Lewis wrote the probate court, which had a record of the adoption, and contacted the Springer parents in Pika. I came home one day, Lewis recounts, and had this message to call Jim Springer. When he phoned Jim Springer, Jim Lewis blurted out, Are you my brother? Yep, Jim Springer replied. Four days later, on February the 9th, Lewis drove to meet his twin for an emotional reunion. Dr. Bouchard offered expenses and a small honorarium to get them to Minneapolis for a week of extensive physical and psychological tests. He wanted to begin as soon as possible to preclude their reminiscing together too long and thus contaminating the evidence. 
Though not the first such separated twins, the records show 19 previous sets in the US, among some 75 worldwide. Lewis and Springer were believed to have been apart by far the longest. The detailed results of Bouchard's textbook case will be revealed to the twins themselves, but to protect their privacy will be buried among other data in the professor's book on differential psychology now in progress. There has been one development that may leave the twins still puzzling over heredity and environment. On February 28th, Jim Lewis, having divorced his second wife Betty, married a woman named Sandy Jacobs. Betty and Jim Springer were present, with Jim serving as his newfound brother's best man. We had a similar story with the twins episode where I said about the scroll a long, long time ago. Yes, um, the silent twins. Yeah, there was a, a sort of an accompanying story that went with that about two fellas. And I feel like one of them died or one of them died and one of them was in an accident. But it was a very similar story. But that is just incredible, isn't it? All incredible. those coincidences. And they're so like they never met. And they never knew each other existed. No. So I don't strange. understand how the world aligns like that. Like I don't, I don't think this is paranormal. Like... But it's I. It just blows my mind. How does that happen? Like even to the marrying the same people, not exactly the same people because that's against the law. But the names, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so strange. So strange. I mean, calling the, they're called James. James Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. I mean, yeah. Fair enough. But that is just so incredible. I don't. I think it's it's, it's a little bit paranormal because it's not normal. <laughs> There was another story about twin brothers who were both killed at the same time. That in, was the one. But in different places, yeah, both killed in yeah. bike accidents. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one I remember. Right? Isn't that just wild? Mm. There was another story as well that took place in Ireland in like 1916. And a husband was fighting in the war. And his wife was obviously at home in Dublin. And it, it she the 1916 rising happened. So there was fighting on the streets of Dublin. And she had to go and get food for her kids. So she went out to get food and she was shot in the head. She got caught on the crossfire. And at the same time, her husband was shot in the head in the trenches. Or leaving orphan kids. Leaving orphan kids, which is obviously awful. But how how yeah. insane is that? That is insane. That's really, that is crazy. Knowing what we do about twins, I find it really hard to, to contemplate the idea that they separate them when they're looking to adopt them. Yeah. Because it's obviously some kind of genetic thing that we can't really understand i mean those two are essentially the same guy <laughs> yeah i mean how does it just it just beggars belief really yeah. it really does and i if you have been around twins like they often i often find with twins they seem to be able to communicate without in a completely different way than mm. your standard people like me and you are very close and we often can predict what the other one is thinking or like you know finish a sentence that is completely out there but we're just so used to each other yeah. but i always think that twins have this weird telepathy that other people just don't understand yeah that's the hereditary versus the other word that you used in the report. environment yeah because obviously our our connection is environmental isn't yeah it? it is completely we, but whereas it's it's hereditary with twins that's such a crazy that's a crazy story that's i mean not, that's not coincidence is it is it because they like literally share their womb mates like is it something in their their physical growth in the womb that like i just don't get it i just i just don't get it, it just no i don't know mind. enough of the science about how they're formed either 
to be able to make an, a, a huge assumption like that. But it, yeah. there's something. There's obviously something that we just don't. We haven't worked out yet, and it's probably buried in that amazing thing that we have in our head. I just it just blows my mind, mm. and I think those connections between twins, like there's so much colloquial conversational stories about twins being able to feel each other's pain and not mm. necessarily like scientific reports but i love when something is a scientific report because if a scientist is looking at this going oh this is fucking weird yep then it makes you go oh yeah oh that is weird but if you are a twin or a sibling that is really close to your siblings or whatever and you have stories like that do please post them in the facebook group because that is something that i am here for it's like my sister and i only f- realized recently that we have the same dreams which is mad weird yeah very weird <laughs> very weird same nightmares about dinosaurs and we don't have a shared trauma she's older than me yeah that time you got attacked by dinosaurs yeah. when you were kids that time we went back in time to jurassic park <laughs> 1993 i believe yeah. it was <laughs> so we're gonna leave it there today and i know it feels like a, a much shorter episode than normal because it is a much shorter episode than normal and because last week's was way longer than normal <laughs> yeah but uh, like I said, these are pre-recorded. I am due to fly to Ireland very soon. So I need to get this done and edited. Um, thank you for your patience. This is our break after 30 days of terror. So thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com where you can find the links to our social media, the link to our email address where you can send your stories and the link to our Patreon where for $5 or for $2 a month, you get heaps of extra content. Don't forget to have a listen to Let Me Introduce Myself. The link to that will be in the description of this episode. Give it a listen. Message Dan. Tell him how great it is. He's looking very... Sheepish. Very sheepish and nervous at the moment. It's going to be great. You know it's going to be great. Well, I enjoy making them, so... Yeah, that's all that matters, isn't it? Yeah. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.